Boom! Good morning, good morning. On today's podcast, I have CEO and founder of Renegade, Drew Neiser. Uniquely wired as both strategist and writer, Drew has helped dozens of CMOs unleash their inner renegade and told their stories of over 450 marketers via the number two podcast for CMOs called Renegade Thinkers Unite, a live streaming show on LinkedIn called Renegade Thinkers Live, his CMO spotlight column for Ad Age, and his first book, the CMO's Periodic Table, A Renegade's Guide to Marketing. His second book, Renegade Marketing, 12 Steps to Building Unbeatable B2B Brands, recently launched and is out now. Considered among the top B2B influencers by Adobe, Marketo, Gartner, IBM, and Pega Systems, Drew has been featured marketing expert on ABC News, CNBC, CBS Radio, and Tony Robbins Podcast, among others. A frequent keynote speaker and moderator at industry conferences, Drew is deeply passionate about the role marketing can play to make our lives a little bit better, if not save the planet. Have a listen. Have you ever had negative thoughts in your mind that you aren't good enough, that you'll never be successful? If so, you're not alone. I've had those thoughts playing in my mind ever since I took the leap to become an entrepreneur. It's a dirty, dark secret that no one likes to talk about as the glamorization of becoming an entrepreneur is shown in the media. I realized that in order to succeed, I needed help. We all do. So I decided to go all in on myself, spending thousands of hours in the trenches, reading, joining groups, listening to podcasts, hiring coaches to develop a bulletproof morning routine for success. Join me on my journey as together, we build our morning fire to ignite our lives as entrepreneurs. My name is Jeff Wickersham, and this is the Morning Fire for Entrepreneurs podcast. Welcome to the Morning Fire for Entrepreneurs podcast. I am excited to have Drew Neiser on the show. Drew, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. So I always love getting into state so we have an energetic, fruitful conversation that helps touches others people out in the uh, in the universe. So let's go ahead and let's do our three power breaths. I know you said you were practicing before the show. So we're going to breathe in through the belly, up through the chest. We're going to raise our hands above our head. Let's go ahead and breathe in. And out. Good. Another breath in. And out. Final breath in. And out. Awesome. Now we're going to amp up the energy. I'm going to count down three, two, one. We're going to yell boom at the top of our lungs in three, two, one, and boom. Boom. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Drew, for uh, for playing along. I, I so, so appreciate it. So I am all about morning habits, rituals, routines. I, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, they are so critical to our, our success. So would you share with the audience what's one or two things you do every morning that sets you down towards that path of success. It, it's sort of funny because it's it's kind of dog driven, but it's still, it, it is a routine that works really well. So every morning, quarter to seven, alarm goes off, got to get up, you know, do the shower thing. And I got to get downstairs by seven o'clock to walk the dog. It's just, okay. that's, that's the thing. Now we do our business. We come back, then I do stretches and I do about a half an hour of stretches. And while I'm doing those and leg lifts and weights and light weights, I also listen to the morning, the daily um, from the New York Times. And I get one story in depth that and that it's really 
helps me sort of think about something that is different than my day, um, but inspires me to be thinking outside myself as opposed to myself. And from there, it's, you know, it's uh, spend a quick second with the dog who's now been tied up for 30 minutes while I've been doing my stretches to tell him I really do love him, feed him. And then the sort of last step, and I've been falling down on this a little bit, but most of the time during COVID, I take my wife, her coffee, her post, and the dog as the final finishing thing. And then I kiss her and say, I'm going to work, which is hilarious because I'm going downstairs to this office that you see. So that's the morning routine. Love it. I love that you're one, you have, you've got to get up regardless because you got to take the dog out, right? So there's no negotiation of, hey, I might hit the snooze button. I'm sure the dog is programmed. Hey, this is when we're leaving. So, so up and ready to go. And then two, movement, right? Moving, walking the dog, then stretching. We're, we're such physical beings and so many people don't lean into that physicality of life. And when you can lean in, you, you're going to stay more active. You're going to have more energy. You're going to have more focus, all of those pieces to this puzzle. So thank you for, for sharing that. Let's move into your, your journey, right? And, and give, uh, if you could give some backstory of, of kind of your history, what you've done, and then let's jump into uh, renegade marketing. Cause I can't wait to talk about that. So it was funny, I, as I think about my career, it's a series in my life, a series of missteps that went well. Uh, and uh, I didn't get in the college that I was supposed to. My family had all gone to one. I ended up being waitlisted at this school in the South called Duke. It ended up being such an incredible experience for me. I've been on, I'm on the board, the national board now. Uh, another example, I applied to film school three years out of college, thinking that's what I wanted to do. Uh, screwed up the application, said, okay, well, I mean, my second choice was advertising. I better go to New York and get a job. Um, so gave myself a week and got a job. So film school to advertising. One other example, just a whole sort of hilarious, which is um, I was, I had had in my mind, I was going to marry this woman because it was sort of a, a fantasy that of the way it was constructed, the way I met her. And I asked her to marry me. The best thing that happened was she said, no, by the way, it worked out really well for her too. So those are just three little examples. But in my career, there have been any number of times once I started an agency where we were at a really tough moment. And that moment ended up getting us in a new direction and inspiring my life for, for the rest of the, the last 25 years. Interesting. So you've had some examples of crisis issues, problems, and then the pressure and the ability to pivot sounds like you are able to create success where maybe some people would fall on, on those hard times and not be able to dig out of it. Were there a couple of strategies you used or what was your mindset like to push through those well, so I'll give you one example. So Renegade was founded in 1993. We were part of a, a bigger agency and they said to me, just go get some Panasonic business. Uh, and so I, we did. And uh, But I had one theme in mind, which was we weren't going to be a traditional agency because Panasonic had one of those. And so we were going to be what was at that time, the anti-gray. So we built this thing 15 years later it was clear that the business, we had a good run and it was 70% of our business was going to walk out the door. So mm -hmm. I said to Dentsu, our parent company, I'm going to buy this out from you because I can't do a plan for you and it's going to be horrible. And I knew it was going to be horrible. So 
we close on that deal October 31st. On December 17th, I got a call from a client saying, you know that half a million dollars we owe you? We're not going to be able to pay you because our our founder got made off and blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, we were about to go in the worst recession <laughs> since 1929 because this was 2008. So we were really at a tough moment. And I gathered the team together and I, I just said, I'm not sure that we're going to survive, but I think we might survive if we strip away all these services that we are doing and we just do one or two and we really do them well. And so at that time, we were a full service agency. In 2008, we pivoted to social and content. So as a renegade, we were ahead of the curve and that saved us. But the other part that sort of connects to where we are today is in 2008, I decided I was going to write a blog post every single week. And in order to do that, I needed subjects. So I started interviewing chief marketing officers. Well, 11 years, 13 years later, I've now interviewed over 450. And so much goodness started in that moment of crisis in 2008. You know, I, I got the book, I've got two books out of all those interviews, but I have all these relationships and I have all these knowledge. And our business has been able to pivot a couple of times because of that. What, uh, what was the, how did the idea get created to write a blog post and interview CMOs? How did that, that come to fruition? Well, so I, the first part was I just committed. I said, I'm going to write every week. And then I started doing that and I would, and I found a couple of places that would take my stories. But after a few weeks, I realized I need something to talk about <laughs> and I need a steady flow of it. And as it happened at the time, a friend of mine was starting something called the CMO club. And as an agency guy, I really didn't have a role there because it was four CMOs on the client side. But I said to the founder of it, I bet I could interview some of your CMOs and that'd be good for the club and it'd be good for you. And I'd learn something and be good for them. So the two came together. But the first was just the commitment to write an article every week. Um, and I I've stopped after three years, but I produced so much. And what you don't realize when you start down this path is you learn so much by just interviewing people. And I know you know that, but that's right. the beauty of being an a writer or a podcaster is that you just, you can, it's like a Vulcan mind meld if you're good at listening and asking good questions. So that was the sort of beginning of it was there was something in it for everybody else. And that I think is the key, right? Is there's, if it's just me writing for me, is no good. But if I'm interviewing and that helps expose their brand, then they're vested uh, in telling me as good a story as they can. No, I, I love that. And I think there's so much that can be learned from podcasting and interviewing and speaking. I, I remember when I first started my podcast, it was awful. No energy in the beginning, but that's part of the journey, right? And, and three years later, being able to speak, be articulate, it's just the journey that you can go through and, and that practice, those reps that you got in, those those connections you you made are, are just, it's so important in life. And it's, I think in today's social media world, it's a missing piece that people don't do as much as they should these days. So let's let's move into kind of B2B marketing and, sure. and give, if, if you're a business owner listening to the show, an entrepreneur, solopreneur, and you're in the B2B space, what are a couple of things that you have seen in your experience that can really differentiate a brand, a company, and really make a mark from a marketing perspective? 
Well, one of the things that I, after interviewing the first hundred CMOs that I did, chief marketing officers, after the, I, and I wrote a book which featured 64 of them, people said, to, so Drew, I can't go through all 64, boil it down for me, boil it down. And what we discovered in that process was there were four characteristics that they all had in common. They were courageous, artful, thoughtful, and scientific, those four things. And I still come to that uh, now and in the second book, that courageous strategy, artful ideation, thoughtful execution, and scientific are structurally how the book is held together. And I would argue that any business needs to be thinking with that CATS framework in mind. So courageous strategy, we'll start there, right? What okay. you see in most businesses, and uh, chapter one is clear away the clutter. What you see is the peanut butter effect. They're trying to do too many things for too many people through too many channels. And it's one of the reasons I wrote the book was that I noticed this disturbing trend of the complexity of B2B and the, the distinctiveness of the marketing was just really falling off, off the track. So first we had to say, we're going to commit. The strategy is truly saying no to something. And I can give you a couple of really quick examples. So just one example, an interview I had recently with the CMO of SADA Systems. They, they're a cloud company. They, do, they help clouds operate somehow. They used to work with three big giant companies. They shrunk it and said, we're just going to work with Google. Their business grew exponentially. You think, wait, they cut off 70% of their potential business and their business grew. Yeah. I, you know, in the book, I tell the story of a contractor who decided just to do hallways for co-ops and condos. His business grew, even though he had to give up initially 30% of his business. But now he's invited to 70% of the pitches and he wins them because he only does this one thing and he's so good at it. So this whole strategy part of running a business, and I know it is hard, believe me, it is hard. And, you know, Renegade has pivoted a number of times to stay focused and sort of shed something we did four years ago so we could do something now. Um, and we don't always live up to our, I, I, because it's hard to turn a client down, but that's what strategy is. And I think that's where small businesses and large businesses to a large extent. So, and by having so many things, it makes it impossible for someone to say, oh, I know you for something. One thing, just give me one thing that I can identify and attach to your brand. So, and you know, they have so many things. So they, it's like, Renegade, we use the saw. Our promise is cut through. It's very simple. That's all we're saying. It's not a big P purpose. It's a little P purpose. We'll help you cut through, through the latest channel, whatever that is. Well, okay, they know the saw and they know cut through. That's good. That's pretty good. I'm, I'm happy with that along with, with Renegade, but most businesses aren't known for anything and that's a problem. So no, I, that was a long-winded answer to your question and I could go on. <laughs> no, I, I, I love that answer. And listen, I'm raising my hand. If, if you're listening to the podcast after this is recorded, I owned a gym business for about four and a half years and it was, Ooh, I have an idea. Ooh, I have an idea. Ooh, I have an idea. And I know it drove my wife bonkers and bless her heart. She was right. You know, when my, in my coaching business being more focused, it, it's such a game changer. And then to your point, if you're all over the place, people don't know what your message is and don't know what you're known for. So I, I, I definitely, definitely resonate with that. That kind of hits, uh, hits close to home, but luckily I, I learned my lesson. So that is a good thing. Awesome. So 
we we talked a little about the the first piece to the puzzle there. What about artful? Let's move into that second. Piece. So here we're talking about sort of three components that almost always play into building a brand. One is this notion that you, if you're the CEO or the head of marketing, that you are the person that has the ideas that you're going to drive it through, that you are, you're, you're the, you're the man, you're the person. And what I noticed among successful CMOs is that they are so quick to say that idea came from here and this idea came from here and they actually source it. And in the book, I have a couple of examples of people who thought they had the idea, went ahead with the idea, got shot down, whereas others who pulled it from it. So chapter four, welcome we. Then there's this very simple notion of getting your purpose-driven story statement, the description of why your business exists down to eight words or less. If you can do that, you then have an opportunity to unify all your marketing under one simple idea. And I'll give you an example. Case paper. They're paper merchants. There could be nothing in theory more boring than being a paper merchant. But they happen to have a history of humor. So what the, the purpose-driven story statement for them is on the case. It's a pun, on the case, right? Case paper on the case. And we literally messed with their logo and put on the on top of case. But then we came up with... Um, after on the case, reliable, resourceful, and responsive. Those are the three ways that you can be on the case. So employees, that's your charge. And you get paid more if you're on the case and you win awards if you're on the case. And then we just sort of laid that out. And that was funny that uh, I had did a had a conversation with the CMO of that uh, business uh, yesterday. And he said they spent a year on internal activities, which I thought was really amazing because most folks don't. So we've got our, we've perfect pithy, and then we move on to delight by design. And there, and I know this is really hard for small businesses. And it's funny, most of us say, I don't care about design, but you really notice bad design. And you notice when you go to a website and it's like, whoa, that looks like MySpace from 40 years ago. Um, it's really, and so it is worth having good design because most of the time, good design makes an experience simpler and easier and more cheerful and more enjoyable. And it allows the brand to come to life. And if you're a plain Jane brand with no color and you're not an accountant, because it could be okay to be a plain Jane brand with no color, but most of us want to have a little personality, want to have something. So design can be an element. And if you're an individual Design could be just the color that you wear all the time. I mean, you know, there are a number of individuals out there on the speaker circuit that only wear one color and it's a signature of theirs. So there's lots of ways to delight by design. Uh, the point is it's important after you know what your promise is to think about how design reinforces this. And I think that's everything in this book is about recognizing that marketing isn't words and pictures. Marketing is the actions that you do that help your employees, that help your customers, that help your prospects. It's actions, not words. It's, I mean, while the tagline is helpful, the real thought in the book is you gotta, you've got this purpose-driven story statement. Now come up with six ways to make it real to employees, six ways to make it real uh, for customers and six way for prospects. That's 18 ideas against the same thing. So you just, I know you like ideas, Jeff. Great. I, you just got to keep them under that one umbrella, right. that one charging thing. And then it makes it easy for someone again to remember, what do you do? Why do you do it? Why should I care? All those things will come through because you're so consistent 
um, and you're doing that. So yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> I, I, I love it though. I, and the promise, then the design, right? That that is a key key piece that I took out of that uh, that that piece to the conversation. Now we're moving on to number three: thoughtful, right? Describe that to to me. Yeah, and I'll and I'll, I'll give you this sort of thing. So when I was thinking about, and I mentioned the story about why I started to write about chief marketing officers, everything that that I've been doing in the last ten years has, in many ways, been thoughtful execution. It's like. How do I get to know CMOs? Well, by helping them, by doing things for them first. I think we live in this give to get economy where you got to give something to get. You know, just think Google and Facebook. They give you the world, Google gives you the world, you give them your eyeball. It's a pretty fair exchange. And I think a lot of businesses are, are seeing that. So if we think about what we can give to get, that opens up a whole lot of different ways about thinking about marketing as opposed to an ad. And if you're advertising something, you're advertising something that you're giving. It's the action that you're doing, not the, hey, cool words, uh, pretty design. It's an action. And I want to tell you sort of how this came to be and connect some dots on the crisis that I mentioned. So COVID began in March March 14th, 17th, whenever the shutdown, we, we shut down in New York, I think on the 14th. Anyway, I, it was one of those moments where I said, okay, this is a crisis. I have no idea if our business will survive. No idea. But I know this. I know that there are a lot of CMOs out there that are going to be feeling a lot of pain. And I, I, and I don't know what's going to happen to any of us because none of us can see it. But I do know that if I do this, something good can happen. So we started something called CMO Huddles on April 1st, 2020. And the idea was just bring together CMOs that I knew, and we would talk about the issues they were facing almost in real time. Well, this group ended up growing and expanding. We met 55 times between April 1st and October 1st. And clearly by the middle of the summer, there was a business here. So on October 1st, it became a business as of today, we're at about 90 subscribers and it's a subscription business and it's really pivoted and sort of now I have a big P purpose, uh, which is, you know, Renegade was a little P purpose. Now I have a big P purpose because I think CMOs can change the world. And so if we help them share care and dare to great each other to greatness, then I really sort of all this work that I've done over the last really comes uh, to fruition. So Looking at that crisis as an opportunity, um, I don't think I could have done that 30 years ago. I just wasn't in the headspace to do it. But today it feels like, oh, there it is. Boom. That's awesome. I, I love it. And, and think about the crisis and the opportunity. And, and you pivoted rather quickly. March, April 1st, you were holding those roundtables and how it's organically grown. So uh, congrats on on that success for sure. I can I can hear how it light you up when you when you speak about it so that's uh that's fantastic now let's move on to uh the the fourth fourth piece the scientific piece so this is the point so again having now studied and and a lot of the cmos that i work with end up losing their job i mean it happens it's a it's a high pressure high turnover job and one of the places and where the problem resides is not two years in, it's not with the execution. It is in the first month when they establish what are the metrics that matter okay. to their CEO and board of directors. And it is incredible to me that there are still some out there who are running businesses 
that have not put metrics in place to matter because you can be have a courageous strategy. You can be an artful ideator. You can be a thoughtful uh, executor and still fall apart because you don't, if you're not measuring something and you're not uh, tying what your actions to an outcome, um, you've got a problem. You're going to have a problem with your investors. You're going to have a problem with your employees too. I mean, this is a great thing about it. if you get the metrics right, like from EOS, you get the, everybody has a number. Life is pretty good for those companies. And the fun begins in the book in chapter 12, where we've sort of come all the way around and said, okay, metrics that matter. We're going to use automation carefully, attentively. We're not going to just invest willy-nilly in it, but we're going to use it. And then finally, we get to this idea of test to triumph. And to me, that's the most fun of this business in the marketing world is you can test stuff. You leave 20%. This is for your crazy ideas. You say to your wife, I got 80% where I know it's working, but I'm going to put 20% in some little bets that can become big bets. And that is so fun. And then you build this culture of experimentation and you feel like you're really doing things right. And you are ready if you need a pivot. I, I love that piece. And I love how that kind of sparks that creativity, right? Of, of yes, still dabbling in it, not saying we're not doing any of that, but designating a, a certain piece to it and, and uh, really stoking that, that curiosity. So Drew, I've loved all of this. Where can people find the book and where can they follow you? So you can find the book, Renegade Marketing, 12 Steps to Building Unbeatable B2B Brands on Amazon in audio, in, uh, in paperback uh, and, and an ebook. Uh, everything about me. And, you know, there's a 15,000 word precursor to the book on renegade.com. Um, and you can uh, find me in all social channels as Drew Neiser. And you know what, if you're listening, hit me up on LinkedIn, I'll, I'll send you a PDF of the book or, or my little 12 step cheat sheet. Love it, Drew. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you for doing what you do and just making a stop and breathe and, you know, uh, living to our fullest. I appreciate you, Jeff. You got it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Have an amazing rest of your day. Rise, fight, love, repeat. Get after it. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Morning Fire for Entrepreneurs podcast. You now have the knowledge, but without action, knowledge is useless. Choose to act. Choose to step into your greatness and unlock that hero inside of you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review so more entrepreneurs can hear this message. If you absolutely love this podcast, which I hope you do, then share it up with someone you know who might see benefit from it. Become that beacon of change and together we can impact the world.